Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon. No, great afternoon, everyone here. This is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice on the America Out Loud Radio Network. So here I have my pages of outrages. And there's, there's some important things, I think, for us to discuss and talk about. There's some things going on politically, internationally, that could be very, very serious to each and every one of us as Americans. So we see that Nancy Pelosi has followed through on her decision to go to China. Well, not actually China, although it's uh, considered the Republic of China, to Taiwan. Now, Taiwan is a place where they have elections and uh, they, they ostensibly have some freedom. But obviously the Chinese government, the communist Chinese government, says they are part of their country and they simply allow them to function as they are. Uh, I guess out of goodwill. Kind of like Hong Kong, which was under lease uh, for 99 years, and when the lease expired, they took it back and they've changed the, the nature of, of Hong Kong. Well, they want to do the same thing with Taiwan. They don't like that it's a breakaway nation. What has kept them free, for all intents and purposes, up until recent days, has been the fact that the American uh, military and the American government and the American people were so much more powerful than the Chinese. They couldn't overcome it, even though Taiwan is right off of their coast. They could not overcome the American uh, power. Well, at this current moment in time, that may not be the truth. Now, I have no doubt that our military uh, can defeat any military on the planet. The United States military, the men and women of the United States military are the greatest and best that there ever were. But the reality is they only function under the leadership which they are provided. And at the very top, the commander-in-chief, currently uh, Joseph R. Biden from Delaware, is the president and the commander-in-chief. And Mr. Biden, as we all know, has some, has some difficulties. Now, before I, I get into my thought about serious possibilities about China and Taiwan and American conflict, let me say a couple of things. Uh, president Biden, whether you like him or not, uh, I, I don't know him personally, I think he is a corrupt man. I think we've seen enough to realize he is extremely corrupt. Uh, but the reality is, as president, when he does something that's good, you have to acknowledge it. And recently, uh, they killed uh, bin Laden's partner, Zawahiri. I think that's how you say his name. He was one of the plotters of the 9-11 attack on our nation. And the military, under Joe Biden, uh, found him. Our intelligence services located him uh, in Afghanistan, of all places, and uh, they set up a, an attack, and President Biden, as the President of the United States, had to authorize it, and he did. He rightfully did. He authorized um, the military or the CIA to take out this horrific terrorist. Now, it's interesting. They hit him with a Hellfire missile. Now, you've probably heard a little bit about the Hellfire missile. You know, we all think about a missile... You know, it's, a, it's kind of like a small rocket uh, launched from an airplane or a ship or some other location, and it's got a warhead in it. And when it strikes its target, the, uh, the warhead detonates and explodes. 
which causes the damage and the destruction and the death of whoever gets hit by it. Well, the Hellfire missile, shot from a drone, uh, apparently it doesn't have a uh, doesn't have a warhead. Instead, what it has is six razor sharp blades. That's right, blades like razor blades, six of them, uh, and they are projected out of the missile directly onto the target. And basically, uh, as disgusting as this sounds, thank God uh, we're on in the afternoons, uh, not at lunchtime. And it just it shreds the target to pieces. Now, in all likelihood, Zawahiri had no idea this was coming. It was fired from the drone, and he was standing on his porch, apparently, overlooking his world, and uh, suddenly he was shredded into uh, mincemeat, as they speak. Um, and that's good. That's a good thing that he's removed from the world. He was a terrible killer. He caused pain. He caused suffering to many, many Americans and many other people around the world with his terrorist uh, plotting and planning. So now we have, he's gone, bin Laden is gone, and Joe Biden uh, rightfully ordered the military to take that action, and I give him credit for that. Uh, just like I give Obama credit for ordering the uh, the hit on uh, bin Laden when we found out where he was. The credit for the actual work goes to our military and our intelligence agencies, but I give Joe Biden the credit for having the guts to make the call. Now, of course, some people will argue that he didn't make the call, he doesn't even know what day it is, and someone else made the call, but he's the president, and I give him that credit and that due. He did the right thing in this particular instance. Now we turn our attention back to uh, China and Taiwan and the United States, and Nancy Pelosi. Let's talk about her for a minute. Nancy Pelosi, I think, is, um, I think she's a terrible person. I think she is um, a classic politician. She's a liar. I think she is. Uh, she has no no real scruples. I think she has no no real honor. I think she'll do whatever she does for power and for money. We see with her husband, uh, you know, right before the the uh, Congress is going to vote on on big deals, uh, suddenly he buys millions of dollars worth of stock in the companies that are going to benefit. And she says, "Oh, well, I haven't. I didn't buy the stock. My husband buys the stock." You have to be stupid to not think that that's that's not a, a the game is in. You know, that's insider trading at its worst. But we don't see any investigations. We don't hear anything about it. If you were to do that, if your friend were to call you from a company and say, hey, we're about to unleash this thing that we bought, that we created, it's going to be huge, buy the stock, and you did it, you'd probably get in trouble. And so would that person, because that would be insider trading, acting on insider information. But not, not Mrs. Pelosi and her husband. That being said, uh, when she announced that she was going to go to Taiwan, uh, the Chinese government reacted as you would predict that they would. They, they don't want any Americans really going there to recognize that government in any way, shape, or form. And they came out very strong because they're not, uh, they're not feeling withheld anymore. They don't have a strong commander-in-chief. Uh, they have a country in America that's in disarray. And they basically came out and said, don't go there. We don't want you to go there. If you go there, uh, we will shoot your plane down. Could you imagine saying that to an American official? Saying that to a Chinese official. We're going to shoot your plane down if you go to uh, Argentina or if you fly to Cuba. We will shoot you down. But anyway, they said it. Um, President Biden and President Xi apparently had a lengthy phone conversation, which we're never going to get the transcripts of, nor are we going to get to hear the actual call, because I have a feeling uh, that there was not a lot of um, strength displayed by President Biden. I think there was probably a lot of weakness, and Xi probably um, walked all over him. Uh, I don't think Joe Biden brought up 
the coronavirus and, and where it started and, and how it uh, came out of a lab there. I don't think he questioned him on the, uh, you know, the bat. It's a bat virus. Uh, I think he uh, probably didn't do any of that, and I think that's part of the problem. So the question we have here, the serious possibilities that could come out of this building stress about Taiwan and, and what else is going on. You know, should we, should Nancy Pelosi have gone there? Now, I think the United States as a country can go anywhere in the free world that they're allowed to go. I don't think anyone should dictate to the United States at all where we can go. We go where we choose to go. So when it comes to Nancy Pelosi, while I don't think she's a good person, I think she's a terrible politician, I think she's a horrible uh, leader of the House, and her policies, in my opinion, are all wrong, uh, she, she, whether she meant and realized this was going to happen or not, once she announced that she was going to go to Taiwan and the Chinese threatened her, she really had no choice at that point but to go. If she didn't go, how weak would she look? Come on, you imagine how ridiculous she would look? Well, I changed my... And, you know, for a couple of days there, they were kind of hedging their bets, I think. Because I think they were saying, well, she hasn't said she's not going to go. And she hasn't said that she's going to go. And she's trying to decide what to do. So she was hedging her bets. Maybe she would have gotten COVID right at the last minute and couldn't go. But, like I said, just like with Joe Biden, when people do the right thing, uh, you have to applaud it. Now, whether it was the right thing to go and poke the bear, the Chinese bear... That's another question. We'll deal with that in a second. But the reality is once she said she was going to go and then the Chinese said, don't you dare go, uh, she really had no choice but to go. If not, she would have to back down to the Chinese uh, government and that would make them even weaker. So the fact that she went, whether I think it was a good idea to go or not, the fact that she went, I think was good. And I give her credit for that, that she actually went. Now, how it's going to play out? Over the next days and weeks, we'll see what happens. Um, but that that draws that question. You know, it's good that she went because she said she was going to go and she didn't back down in the face of Chinese threats. Because you back down to a bully and all you get is more threats. You don't ever get, uh, you know, solving a problem. So the question is, do we poke that bear? How far do we poke that bear? Was it Was it a good idea or was it a flawed idea to go there? I mean, what's her purpose? And that's that's the question I have in my head. What is her purpose to go there? Because, you know, with our friends on the left, it's never really out in the open what they're going to do and why they're doing it. There's always an ulterior motive to why they do things. I mean, you don't come out and tell us they, they until recently, some of them, have said they want to be socialist. But for, for the most of my life, they have wanted to be socialist, they wanted to go that way, but they could never come out and say it in the real world. They, they had to hide it and, and, and call it other things. Now, some of them do come right out and say socialism is better. But is this a smart move? At the, at the situation we're in, now right now, if you had Ronald Reagan at the helm, if, if you had Donald Trump at the helm, um, George Bush, junior or senior at the helm, and you wanted to do that, you know, you would have. A, I would think you would have a little bit better of a position of strength than to, to say, "Well, I'm going to go over there, and I got Joe Biden in the White House, who who really knows his mental state, who really knows if they're giving him drugs to keep him awake, who knows if he eats ice cream and and plays with his toes every day, and he doesn't really know what's going on. We don't know, 
but the impression he gives is that he's he's weakened mentally, physically, and he doesn't have the skills to be a leader anymore. So when we look at that, we say, are we doing the right thing for the long term? Because if we make a mistake here, if we make a miscalculation um, in in the face of a, of a bully that has weapons, that has power, and that has guts and a strong leader, are we looking to set ourselves up for a problem? So what happens, Nancy Pelosi, let's say she flies out of there and she gives a press conference and she's, you know, stays with the one China policy. She's not going to violate that. But she, she believes, you know, the people of Taiwan are good and she loves them and, and she flies off. Uh, and Oh, that's wonderful. And right behind her comes a huge armada of Chinese Navy, uh, Chinese Marines, and they slide into Taiwan and take it over. What do we do then? Well, we have some military assets in the area because she's over there, so we're trying to project some strength. So what do we do? Do we, do we go start a war with China? Do we actually have a hot war with China where we're exchanging um, guns, bombs, bullets, people dying? Is this a smart move at this time in our current situation? And I guess that's really the question you have to ask. Um, was this a smart move on the part of the government? Uh, and like I said, once she said she was going to go and the Chinese threatened her not to go, she had to go. Uh, even if they uh, shot her plane down, she would have to uh, <laughs> go over there because if you back down, then you would be backing down to a bully and you would just get more of the same. So when I look at that, I say, um, I think Nancy Pelosi is a snake and I don't know what her true agenda is here of why she did this, but she did it. So I guess we're going to see, like I said, in the days and weeks to come, what exactly is going to go on here? Uh, what are the ramifications going to be for this uh, visit for this ruffling of the feathers and the poking of the bear. Uh, it's a shame we have to be worried about that, but think about it. Uh, there's lots of things in life that are worth dying for. Uh, freedom, your family, liberty, for your God, for doing the right thing. There are things uh, that one can put their lives up for. You know, there are still those kind of things out there. Law enforcement people, our fire department people, uh, our military, they go out every single day and they're willing to put their lives on the line and give their lives for freedom and liberty and justice and all of the things that we historically have agreed is worthwhile. We just have to choose which are those things. Is going to China and poking that bear and annoying them and getting them upset to maybe pushing them into a corner that they have to show Sorry about the motorcycles in the background. I'm on the road again today. Uh, I happen to be in, uh, in New York, uh, and I'm in an area where, even in the studio here, you can hear these motorcycles up and down the road. The sound of freedom, I call them. Uh, but that's my point. Um, is this the right thing to do? And I guess in the days and weeks ahead, we will see. All right, so let's turn our attention to a couple other things. Uh, let's take a look at Ron DeSantis. Apparently, he was... Uh, he was asked if he would appear on the TV show The View, which is, I think, like uh, seven liberal women and one conservative woman. And, the, the, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, the, the, the old comedian woman, um, I can't think of her name at the moment, uh, and, you know, a couple of others. And they come out there and they basically um, 
they sound very polite. Oh, we want to talk to Ron DeSantis. And they get him out there and they'll just berate him. And, you know, how come you hate women? How come you don't want to let women have abortions? How come you want to control a woman's body? Would be the same stupid questions that they would ask. And no matter what he said, you know, the audience would cheer and uh, you're like a bunch of seals. Every time they said something stupid like that. I don't see any win to going on a show like that. Uh, for any politician or for anyone, uh, unless you're promoting a movie or a book that has a, a topic that they approve of. Other than that, it's going to be, you know, six against one. They'll attack you. They'll laugh at you. They control it. Um, they're rude. They're stupid. So they asked Ron DeSantis if he would go on the show, and apparently his spokesman uh, basically said, uh, absolutely not. I mean, do you really want to know the good things he's doing in Florida, or do you want to, uh, you know, attack him? So I think he made a smart move. He showed a little good judgment there by saying, I would not go on that show. I know there are a lot of people that think, well, you know, you go in where the enemy is. You go in where the enemy is and, uh, you know, you face them and that'll show everybody how strong you are. And I agree with that uh, when it comes to like a debate with your opponent. I think that's the right thing to do. Go in, debate your ideas, present your ideas. I can say go into an interview if you could find a fair uh, a fair interviewer who was really interested in, in vetting out your positions and your policies, not simply attacking you for everything you believe in and taking the side of the other side. You know, that doesn't seem to be any kind of, you don't really win there. Why do you think none of our, uh, our friends on the left, why do you think none of them appear uh, with any, any real conservatives? Uh, they don't go on conservative shows and have to have to answer questions about their policies, what they believe, how they're going to do things. Uh, there are a couple of exceptions. I know uh, the great Bill O'Reilly, who is an excellent interviewer. Some of them will go on his show. And the reason they'll go on his shows is because he is a professional and a gentleman. And he will ask them questions without attacking them. He will ask them questions about their policies, and he will not chase them down too far. You know, uh, he will try and push them to give a real answer. But uh, it's not like when you go on a left-wing show and they just keep attacking and attacking, and they make up things on the fly, and they use Democrat talking points, and it, it just it turns into a nightmare. So, you know, a guy like Bill O'Reilly, some of them, some of the friends on our left have gone on his show. Uh, I have been disappointed sometimes, as many people are, because because we want him to attack. Uh, the way the liberals attack. But the Republicans in general, interviewers, conservative interviewers, don't necessarily do that. They go in to do an interview. They want to get an opinion. They want to get a question. So it's a different, it's a different place to go. To go into a, a liberal den like The View would do you no good whatsoever. To go and be interviewed by um, any one of these uh, left-wing journalists does you absolutely no good. You'd have to really find uh, an honest journalist that on the left to sit down with. Otherwise, it's not worth your effort. Do more debates with your opponent. Uh, go up there and sit with your opponent and take questions from an audience, um, not from moderators that are, are liberal. You know, let's look at that uh, just along that same line because it's got my, my thought going. We, see, we have these debates, presidential debates, and normally it's almost always a very liberal uh, reporter who asked the questions or a panel of very liberal reporters who asked the questions. How come we never see um, a group of conservatives running a debate? Why don't we ever see that? Why don't we see uh, Tucker Carlson up there? Why don't we see Bill O'Reilly up there? Uh, why don't we see a Sean Hannity or the great Malcolm Out Loud 
or yours truly, Lieutenant Joe. Why don't you ever see someone who has a conservative point of view asking the questions on these presidential debates? You never see it. It's three debates made up of 99% liberal questioners who simply take the Democratic point of view and pose all their questions uh, to make a case for the Democrats. It's not really a good debate. It puts the conservative always um, at the negative side of things. One of the things I would like to see would be maybe a, a round table with the two candidates sitting there with, uh, with some notes, some papers and pencils, uh, a glass of water, and a whole bunch of questions that were vetted by both sides, Republicans and Democrats, and they actually talk these things out. Not talking points, not round and round, but they actually talk out a point. Would you raise taxes? Why is it a good thing to raise taxes? Wouldn't you like to know that? Should our military be downsized? Why would we do that? Let's talk about that. Let's actually have a, a conversation about that. So that might be something to see. So I, I applaud Ron DeSantis for not going on that show. Uh, and I hope he maintains that. I hope all the Republicans maintain it and learn the lessons of the past, what, have happen what has happened to other conservatives that go on these liberal shows. It never works out well. Uh, you know, they, they just attacked and, it, and it's really a mess. So, hey, good for him. He seems to be showing good judgment there. Um, and I think Ron DeSantis is a absolute future leader. He could be the 2024 leader, but uh, I think he's definitely um, the 2028 candidate, I would think, at this point. Now, somebody could come along and be even better, but I think currently Ron DeSantis is excellent, uh, and I would have no problem supporting him uh, if he were to run for president. Now, let's talk about your wallet and the money in your wallet how much money you got. So let's ask a couple of basic questions of ourselves. Again, remember what we talk about here at Chasing Justice. Justice and truth and, and what's good for everybody. Really good for everybody, not just what people say. So let's ask yourself, are you better off paying uh, 4 or $5 a gallon for gasoline or paying $2 a gallon for gasoline? No, don't put anything else into it. Don't put in the orange man. Don't put in the, nothing else. Answer that question. Am I better off paying four or five dollars a gallon for gasoline, or two dollars a gallon for gasoline? All right. So that's the first question. Next question: Am I better? Am I better off paying uh, fifteen ninety nine for a pound of chopped meat, or paying five ninety nine for a pound of chopped meat? Right. Again, no, no, no political sides here. Answer the question: Am I better off paying fifteen ninety nine or five ninety nine? When it comes to home eating oil, which we're all going to have to deal with, uh, whether it's heating oil or other energy to keep us warm in the winter in places other than in Florida where it's you know beautiful all the time, are you better off paying five, six, or seven dollars a gallon for heating fuel, or paying two dollars a gallon for heating fuel? Well, I know I use heating fuel. I'm better off, me personally, paying two dollars because then it leaves me money for my family and to do other things. So when we ask these questions about your pocketbook. You have to say, is it better off paying more taxes or paying less taxes? Now, if you can afford to pay unbelievable amounts of taxes and you think that that's the way to go, then I strongly suggest you write a check to the Treasury, uh, go to your accountant, do your taxes, and when they say you owe $7,000 in income tax, uh, but you think you should be paying more and everyone else, I think you should you know, say instead of $7,000, write a check for $15,000. And, and, and do what you think you should do, pay more, right? If you think you should pay more, you should pay more. Uh, if you think I should pay more, that's none of your business. I should pay as little as possible uh, to support my the services and my government that I want to support. 
um, and then the rest is for my family. So when we think about our wallets and our pocketbooks, that's a, that's a big, important issue. Now we're seeing um, this new bill, uh, this new, it's a Build Back Better bill, but it is apparently scaled down a little bit, and we didn't think we were going to have to deal with this nonsense, because of all people, Joe Manchin, who seemed like a pretty decent guy, a not a conservative Democrat, but a middle-of-the-road, maybe, Democrat, common-sense kind of guy from West Virginia, you know, a real, you know, people, people place where there's good, decent people, um, and he was not going to go for it. And then he has this meeting with Chuck Schumer and uh, Nancy Pelosi. And next thing you know, all these people that were thinking he was the greatest guy, doing the right thing, standing up for people, not going to go, not going to add to the to the uh, to the money we owe as a country, which was going to drive up inflation. Not going to do that. He's going to hold it off and and prevent them from doing it. And boy, were, were a lot of people on the right happy with him, proud of him, thought he was doing the right thing. And then all of a sudden he caves. Now, it's interesting. He didn't say he caved. He says, I never cave. He takes offense to it now that people think he would cave in or give in to the uh, radical elements of his party. Instead, he thought it through, and he realized that this is a good thing for everyone. This is really going to bring down inflation. It's going to help, uh, you know, help our fossil fuel industry. Does anybody really believe that? Now, we've had some experts, real experts, uh, look at this. Uh, potential bill, and they're not saying it's going to bring down inflation. They're not saying it's going to bring down taxes. They're not saying it's going to be any of the things that our, our friends on the left say it's going to be. It's a Green New Deal boondoggle, and it's going to add to the deficit, and it's going to increase inflation. The inflation rate at 9% is going to go to 10 or 11, maybe 12%. And you're going to, you're going to be losing that much more money. And Joe Manchin did this. So now we have uh, the spectacle of... Uh, Senator Sinema, uh, who is also a Democrat, and she says, well, I'm not sure I'm going to vote for this. Does anybody think she's not going to cave into? Does anybody going to think that, you know, somebody's going to have the guts to withstand the pressure that's being put on from every angle uh, in their own party, uh, outside the party, saying bad things about them, chasing them out of restaurants, showing up in the bathroom where she was uh, accosted in the bathroom? Does anybody think they're really going to be strong enough to withstand that? I don't. I think she's going to cave in uh, in the next day or so when they have the vote, and then this bill is going to go through. And you and me and everyone else, I believe, I hope I am wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But based on what I hear about this bill, what I see that's in it, what I see happens when you add um, another trillion dollars uh, of debt to our country, is that inflation is going to go up. The prices are going to up, go up continually. It's going to cost us more and more to live, and the economy is going to continue to slow down until whether President Biden and his team thinks we're in a recession or not, we're going to get the third quarter of uh, negative growth, and things are going to get really difficult around the holidays, I think. I hope not. I don't want that for our country. Uh, but again, it comes, it comes down to thinking about it. It's about policy. Which policies actually are good for you and your family. If you want to be able to uh, commit abortions and, and kill babies, and you're going to vote for that instead of what's good for your family, well, you have every right to do that. That's, that's you. That's your conscience. That's up to you to decide what you're going to do. But we're going to see how this is going to play out sooner rather than later, and I certainly hope things work out for the better for all Americans, for every American, because after all, we're all in this together. 
All right, this is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice. We'll be back in a minute with round two. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the povidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20%. By using promo code OUTLOUD. Surely if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. So you can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Chasing Justice. Now, for you, for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that that's a Matthew McConaughey thing from the movie Dazed and Confused when he said, all right, all right, all right. Uh, and I use it because I think it sounds cool. But I found out the other day, you know, I have these little uh, pop-ups on my social media because uh, I, I, I like movies. I like uh, movie scripts. Uh, I'm a writer. So I find all that stuff interesting. My daughter's a writer. Uh, so we talk about scripting and all that kind of stuff all the time. And it came up that in that scene, in that particular scene, that wasn't a part of the script to say, all right, all right, all right. Uh, apparently, the director... I was talking to Matthew McConaughey and trying to, you know, talk him into his character and, and what he was all about. And uh, there was that young lady driving the car, the redhead girl, uh, who anybody who's seen the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, none of this is going to make sense to you, so I'll be quick. Uh, there's a girl, young girl, and two, uh, two outsider guys, and they're going to a party, and Matthew McConaughey kind of likes this girl. And the, the director said, okay, that's the deal. You like her. She's cute. You want to talk to her. So go over there and, uh, and try and pick her up. Let's just, just go with some natural talk to the girl. See how it comes out. And apparently that's when he came up with the, all right, all right, all right, right? So if I'm wrong about that, social media's wrong about it. Uh, Matthew, feel free to call. You can, we can talk about it. Come on the show here. And we'll discuss how you came up with, all right, all right, all right. All right, so speaking of being all right, uh, I want to tell you uh, about the Healthy Cell product that's here on the network. Uh, I told you all that I'm taking it. Miss Kathy is taking it. My, my system has been good. I feel great. 
Um, I drink it right out of the package. I tried something different, though, the other day. Uh, the great Malcolm Out Loud and I were talking about it, and he says he really likes it, and he puts it on his ice cream. So I said, let me try some different ways to take it, because I'm a, I'm a purist with anything. I like bourbon. I like bourbon straight up. Um, maybe some rocks once in a while, but I like bourbon straight up. I don't mix it with Coke, you know, Jack and Coke and all that. I like things straight up. Um, so I said, that's how I take it. I open a package, and I drink it right down, and I like the flavor of it. But I said, let me try something different. Can I do something different with it? Um, what can I do? So I put it in a bottle of water. I squeezed it into the bottle of water, shook it up, and I had, uh, I guess, blackberry is the flavor. I had blackberry water, and it was really good. And I got all the, the benefits of all the vitamins and everything in there for my immune boost, right? the healthy cell immune boost. Then the other day, Miss Kathy and I have taken to eating... Um, what do they call it? Yogurt. Some yogurt in the morning. Instead of a big breakfast, we just have a little yogurt. We put some uh, sesame seeds in there. That's supposed to be good for you. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I have blueberry yogurt, and I got my healthy cell. I'm going to go put it in there. And I squeezed it in, and I, and I mixed it up. It was delicious. It was really, really good. It actually added flavor uh, to the blueberry yogurt. So uh, not only is the flavor good, but I tell you it's good for you. It makes you feel good. helps me to feel good. Uh, so I'm suggesting if you're looking for something, give it a try. Uh, healthy cell immune boost. I certainly like it a lot. Now, we were talking about uh, mansion versus cinema versus America. I think that's the way I'm looking at it uh, with this new bill. Now, they said it's a uh, Joe, Joe Manchin said it's not a Democrat bill. It's not a Republican bill. It's a red, white, and blue American bill. I don't think so. I think it's going to be problematic. I think it's going to be a problem for all of us. So, um, Let's think about this. Does this bill and this these these New Green Deal policies and all of these things we're fighting over, is there a mandate for this? Is this what the American people voted for and that's what they want as a mandate? Now, there's two ways to look at that. Number one, if you win an election, you get to do what you want. Um, and that's why elections have consequences. So you got to think really hard before you make a vote. You know, I don't want the orange man. I want to pay $4 a gallon, right? Well, that's a choice you made, and that's what you got. Um, but when we look at this, really, we're talking about in the Senate, there's one vote, one vote separating doing this to our country and not doing it to our country. Because I think it's doing it to our country. It's going to be bad. I believe the bill is going to be bad for our country. That's my opinion based on what I know about the bill and how economics works. So we don't have a mandate. It's not like we have uh, 72 senators out of our 100 senators, Republicans, Democrats, saying this is going to be good for us. We have to do it. Let's do it. We have, we're fighting over one person making a decision to vote for it or not. That's, that's, not, um, that's not justice. That's not right. That's going to cause, you know, imagine that, this whole country, what's going to cost you and come out of your pocket and your family and your future is up to one person, right? Because we all don't believe in this. We are split 50-50 and the Senate is dancing back and forth. It's one vote is going to make a difference to your future. And that's not how this should go, but it is. So that's when I say it's um, mansion versus cinema because those two are playing off each other. And then both of them, are versus America. Because even if you're for this because you want Green New Deal and you believe all that nonsense, it's still going to hurt everybody. That's the reality. Uh, you're going to raise this, these taxes, going to be taxes. Now, didn't President Biden say that? Let's, let's see, let's see, remember, let's go back in the crystal ball. We're back in time now. And there it is during the, uh, the uh, presidential race. And he says, 
he's going to raise taxes on the very rich and nobody making less nobody making less than $400,000 will pay one penny more in tax. Now that accounts for lots and lots of people like the majority of our country uh, makes less than $400,000. So that seemed pretty good, didn't it? I guess if you were a, you were a, a dope and you really believe that these politicians tell you the truth and you don't look at history and see what what each party has done when it comes to taxes and how that has worked out for us. I guess if you're sitting there going, well, that's, he's, he's not going to raise taxes on me. He's just going to get the rich guys and girls. He's going to go after them, and that's good. Right? If that's what you believe, if that's, if that's the limit of your understanding of how things function, uh, you probably thought that was a good idea. Did, it, did anybody else here in Chasing Justice Land, did anybody else believe that that was going to be the case? Because now it looks like this bill is going to raise taxes on people who make uh, less than 400000 And it's probably going to keep on going down. It's going to get to you, wherever you are on that scale. So is that a broken promise? Do we see any news programs on it? Do we see anyone asking questions about it? No, we don't. So this is Manchin versus Cinema versus America. And Joe Manchin says that it's the red, white, and blue American bill, and it's good for us. Well, I guess like castor oil was good for us too, wasn't it, right back in the day? Or mercurochrome. Anybody remember mercurochrome? Holy moly, I don't even know what that stuff's in. I saw a picture of it on the internet the other day. When you got a cut when you were a kid, your mother would put the mercurochrome on you, right? Uh, pretty interesting. And then what about the Bactine? That was good for you too. You know, I remember that as a kid, you'd skin your knees. Your knees would be hurting. You fell off the bike. You were... We used to jump. We used to make jumps, right? Jump over the bike and, you know, it was crazy. Kids don't do that today. But you would skin your knees up and you'd go in and you'd be, ah, and the mother would wipe it down with a, a napkin or something and spray Bactine all over you. And I felt like that would keep you safe because the Bactine was going to kill everything. So I get distracted. So the bill is looks like it's going to be signed. I expect uh, Cinema will cave and she'll sign it. And then we'll have to deal with that. Now... If, even if it's going to say, well, there's no direct taxes to you. There's no direct taxes to you. You're not going to pay a penny more in your income tax. But when everything else that you buy goes up in cost, because that's what happens. Corporations don't pay taxes. They pass it on to the consumer. So they will just pass on any of these taxes to you and to me. So that's how that's all going to work out. Now, when I think about this, um, part of what I wanted to talk about was, you know, the, we're talking about met, uh, bills and politicians and and the dangers we face, you know, the serious possibilities of a problem with with China. Let's talk about, why don't we talk about Ukraine anymore? Is Ukraine still going on? Is that a war still going on? Well, the people of Ukraine are suffering every day. Uh, the Russians haven't stopped. They have billions of dollars uh, in oil revenue to buy weapons and supply their troops. Looks like they lose a lot of troops, though, doesn't it? Uh, I heard the other day they had, they were in a, a firefight with the Ukrainians and they lost 110 soldiers. So they're kind of proving less effective than we thought. But over the long term, uh, they can grind it out, I think, with the people of Ukraine, and that's a problem. But once again, what's the cost to us to stop that? Because no matter what happens and what, what people say in the world whether it's Europe or South America, it has to be the American military that goes in and straightens out whatever's happening. Otherwise, it won't get straightened out. So do we send our American military to Ukraine 
to fight the Russians, who the Russians have already said they're going to team up with the Chinese. Do you see the bigger picture here down the road? You know, all of these anti-American Americans that are beating our country up, weakening us, making us less effective, less powerful in the world. You know, they're waking us all up to the evils of America. Do you think that when the Chinese and the Russians get together and they defeat and vanquish America, that they're going to come in and go, oh, all you woke people, you are so good. They're, oh, you're so American. Let's go to tell the real truth now. Let's all be woke. No, they're going to come in and kill all of you. Because that's what communist governments do. They're gonna they're gonna wipe us out. So, just a thought for your for your morning. Now, tracing justice. We talk about crime. Uh, we see San Francisco has a new prosecutor, a young woman, and she looks like she's gonna do the right thing. I, I hope so. That, hope that she does. She seems to be talking a good game, uh, but we'll see how she actually functions as prosecutor. There's a video on social media now. One of hundreds of these videos you can see now, elderly people just minding their own business, trying to get a cup of water, going to the store, whatever. And then a group of teenagers uh, shows up out of nowhere and pummels them, takes their wallet, rifles their pockets, whatever. Well, this elderly woman, 70 years old, uh, comes out of her house, her apartment, and apparently she hasn't been out in a long time because she's afraid of the crime. She steps out and she's accosted by four teenagers uh, who uh, knock her down. They uh, Apparently they take her purse or they go through her purse. And she's laying there now, trying to get up, and this one teenager walks back over and kicks her in the face. Now, what would, what would make people behave in that manner? First of all, it's not a good or decent thing to do. Would you agree? Robbing beating elderly people in groups. You know, there's three or four of you, you and your buddies, and you're going to go beat up an elderly person and kick them. And while they're laying down, you'll kick them in the face. And God forbid I should say, it's even worse that they do it to an older woman. Yes. Can you imagine that? That they would kick an older woman in the face. For what purpose? Well, I'll tell you. I was in the law enforcement game for a long time. Criminals do not calm down when you are lenient with them. You see, a good and decent person, uh, when they are treated with fairness and kindness and leniency, they will often recognize those things and go, you know, I'm very grateful for that, and if I did something wrong, I'll try not to do it again. Criminals, on the other hand, how do I say this? Criminals, on the other hand, don't see the world that way. They are emboldened. And if they see you being kind and decent to them and forgiving and treating them um, in a less than harsh manner, they don't go, you know, maybe it's not good to, to rob and beat old women and kick them in the face when they lay on the ground. They say, no, we don't get in trouble for this. We're going to go do what we want to do. And they're going to go rob and beat and kick in the face more elderly women and men and young people and people standing on the corner waiting for a bus. Criminals get more brutal. This is human nature. Now that's an ugly side of us as people, but look around. What do we see in Ukraine we just talked about? Do we see uh, the Russians going in there because they've been attacked? They've been threatened? 
that the military of Ukraine is launching bombs into Russian neighborhoods and killing them, which would be, I guess, a, a reasonable response then would be to go and do that to them to stop, to stop them from doing that. No, we don't see any of that. We see an evil person, an evil human being in the form of Vladimir Putin, who has decided that he wants to take that back. That on his whim, he wants to take that back, and he's launching rockets into malls and pregnancy places where pregnant women are, and into apartment buildings where children live. And he's blowing up train stations where people are waiting uh, to get on a train. That's evil. We see the Chinese uh, murdering people in their own country. We see the Chinese uh, attacking different minority groups in their country that they don't like or that they feel is a threat to their their power. And they go out and, and, and destroy them. This, unfortunately, is part of who we are as people. And the good and decent people of us who have maintained, maintained our ability to not strike out, lash out, and hurt people, um, we are stuck watching this. So if you, if you wonder where this is going to go with crime, unless you step in and with a very, very strong response put a stop to crime, you're just going to get more of it. You're going to get more and more crime. So when I think of these young teenagers... Um, attacking this elderly woman. It reminds me of a case, uh, several cases, uh, when I was an uh, active duty detective. There was one, there was a woman, she was an elderly woman, and she was taking care of her grandson because uh, his, his, the kid's mother and father both had drug problems. They were in jail. They were a mess. So grandma was helping this kid out. And, and I guess he was 16 16 at the time, and he wanted some money from Grandma. You know, uh, my investigation revealed clearly he wanted money for drugs. But, uh, you know, he told everybody, that I needed money for school supplies. And, funny, you know, of course, the kid wasn't in school half the time. He should have been. But that's what he told everybody. And uh, so he went to Grandma, and he says, I want money. And Grandma says, I don't have money to give you, and you don't deserve any money. You just go to school, do the right thing, stop getting in trouble. So he said, you know, Gee, Grandma, you know, you're right. I do get in trouble all the time. I'm not really studying. I'm not working towards my future. I'm being a troublemaker. Uh, thanks for putting me on the straight and narrow and for trying to help me be a decent person. So I, I think I'll do all that. Do you think he did that? Do you think he got that message, that kindness, that uh, restraint that Grandma offered to this young man? No. This young man uh, was emboldened and basically... Um, he, uh, he killed Grandma, choked her to death. Uh, him and another friend then dragged Grandma out behind the apartment building where they lived and dumped her in a little creek. And I think she was in her 70s. So they, he beat her to death and stroked her to death in, uh, in, his, in their apartment. And then they dragged her out with wonderful love and care and kindness and dignity for her. And they dumped her in a muddy creek behind the apartment. And they left her there, and then they took her money and went on a little spending spree. Whatever money she had, which was not a lot. That is what crime does. That is the face of crime. Now, there was a... Uh, the reality of the town that I was in was we had, uh, we had 47 languages spoken in our school district. So there was lots of different people in our school district. We had major highways, shopping malls. 
We had very high-end neighborhoods on one part of town. We had a bedroom community on another part of town. We had a huge area of rental homes where people had moved out and they were renting their homes to people. We had no-tell motels on the highway where you could stay for an hour, two hours, or 30 days, it didn't matter. Uh, cheap, uh, cheap kind of thing. Car lots, we had a lot of revenue. It was a very nice town, school system was very good. And we had all different kinds of people in our community. And we started to notice that when uh, heroin started taking off and crack even before that, and people needed their drugs, what did they do? They robbed to get drugs. They beat people over the head to get drugs. They knocked old ladies down, took their purses because they needed the drugs. And in our community and many communities at the time, uh, we were very upset with crime. Nationally, uh, crime and criminals were not high on everyone's list. They were someone, uh, they were people that we thought should not be allowed to run wild and hurt people and injure people and rob them. Uh, just because they had, uh, you know, lower socioeconomic situations. So therefore, it's understandable that they would rob and rape and burn. No, it's not. That's not understandable. That's wrong. And our response at the time was a very, very powerful law enforcement response. We went out. We patrolled the areas where the crime was. We didn't go to places where there was no crime. We went to places where there was crime. And we took a zero tolerance to criminal activity, which means if we saw somebody driving their car like an idiot, we stopped the car and we talked to them. And if they were still an idiot while we're talking to them, uh, instead of trying to counsel them, uh, you could see they were cursing and screaming, we gave them tickets for their behavior. If we saw a weapon in the car, we arrested them. Funny thing, if they resisted arrest and fought with us, we fought back. And we arrested them. And they were charged with resisting arrest. And the prosecutors went after them big time. Because you might have done something stupid, like a disorderly person's charge. That if you uh, had a criminal record, maybe you would get 10 days in jail for doing something, a disorderly person's. If you had no criminal record, you probably wouldn't go to jail at all. But if you fought with the cops, or if you took off, uh, in a car, that became a very serious crime, right? So we, instead of going, well, you know what? Uh, if a guy doesn't want to get arrested, uh, don't put hands on him. Uh, and if they take off in the car, let him go. No crime. We're not going to charge him with that. If they rest and fight with you, you should back off and let them run away. We didn't do that. Uh, we didn't do that. If somebody fought with the police, we used the force necessary to subdue that person. And then we brought them to court. And the judge and the prosecutor and everybody did not take well to people fighting with police or injuring their family members or robbing stores or beating people in the street. And we put lots of people in jail, right? Because if you behave that way, if you are a, uh, an enemy of society, then that's how you get treated, right? You get the full force of the law and justice to come down on you. And you know what happened? the crime rate went down. It went down and down and down. Why? Because people knew if they behaved in a criminal manner and they got caught, they would suffer the consequences of their behavior. So therefore, they modified their behavior as opposed to telling them, well, we're not going to charge you because I know you didn't want to be arrested. You didn't think you should be arrested. And 
and that's why you fought with the officers, and that's why you ran, and, and we understand, and, and we, you know, we're trying to be kinder and gentler, which is what we're doing now, isn't it? And what, what result do you see? Do you see uh, bad guys and bad girls changing, changing their, their lifestyles, changing their, what they're doing, or do you seeing them emboldened all over the place? And that's basically how that works out when you do that. So that's what's going on. And when I, when I saw that, that woman, and I, you've seen a lot of these elderly people walking up the street and somebody comes along and sucker punches them in the face. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny to see that? Oh, that's so funny. Would your kids do that? Would your grandchildren do a thing like that? That is horrific behavior. And if you just let it go, you think they're going to go, you know, we shouldn't punch old people in the face anymore for fun. That's probably not right. No, they're going to go punch more old people in the face. If you let them fight with cops with no consequences, they're going to fight with more cops. And then you know what happens after a while? They realize they're emboldened. Not only can they fight, they can stab or shoot the cop because that's what they feel is appropriate when a cop harasses me. And then you have a society that is completely and totally out of control. Does that sound like anything familiar? Does anybody, does anybody see any of that going on anywhere? What have we done for the last couple of years allowing riots and people smashing out stores, stealing everything, gangs of people running in and robbing entire stores, beating people, smashing them in the face, crime rates going through the roof, and we're telling our cops, stand down, stand down. We're not prosecuting people. This isn't fair. These people have been prosecuted their whole lives, these criminals, and we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to be more fair to everyone. And that just tells everyone, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, no matter what they do, if they are predisposed to be criminals, they don't take that as a good opportunity to change and turn their lives around. They take that as an opportunity to victimize you again. So we've got to keep that in mind, right, with crime. Now, let's look at um, a couple other things that are going on. In Kansas... Uh, we see a, uh, a, a teenage girl. She's part of a pro-life group. And apparently uh, one of the things on the ballot in Kansas is what they're going to do about abortion. Now, this conversation is not about abortion. Um, it is about what happened in Kansas when this young teenage girl was going door to door trying to drive people to go and vote. And she wanted them to vote um, on the on the topic, uh, you know, the abortion topic. Um, that that they're that they're trying to vote on, right? So they're trying. She's knocking on doors, <clears throat> excuse me, asking people, "Hey, do you realize this is up uh, for election? Um, are you going to come out and vote? That kind of thing." So she goes to this one house and knocks on the door, and an older woman answers the door. And says, uh, yes, can I help you? Kind of thing. Now I'm paraphrasing. Yes, can I help you? Yes, I'm here to uh, tell you about the, uh, the pro-life group I belong to. And there's big elections coming up. And uh, we're trying to do stuff here in Kansas to protect uh, unborn lives. Well, the woman obviously was a pro-abortionist woman, which is fine. That's her opinion. She can have that opinion. And she says, well, listen, that's not really something you want to talk to us in this house about. Okay, no big deal. You're, you're abortionist. So the girl goes to leave. Now, remember, she's a teenage girl. She turns to leave, and as she's leaving, she hears another woman, a younger woman, inside the house, start screaming curses at her, yelling and screaming at her. 
the young girl is leaving the property and this other woman comes bounding out of the house and uh, yells and screams at her and ends up punching her, kicking her, attacking her. Well, she got part of it uh, on video, so we saw what happened. Uh, but what kind of a response is that? If somebody came to your door and said, listen, uh, I am uh, I am pro-choice and uh, I would like to tell you there's an election, I think it's important, would you curse and scream at that person, chase them outside and beat them? Or would you say, listen, um, I don't hold that view, uh, I'm pro-life, you know, so I really don't want to listen to what you have to say. That's probably what I would say. Don't we have people come to our houses all the time? We want to talk about our religion. No, I don't want to talk about your religion. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. Have a nice day. And we tell them to leave. So who is it that's, that's attacking people who have a different opinion? Which side of the aisle? Now, I'm not going to take a side here. I'm just going to throw the question out there for you to think about. When, when someone attacks someone else because of their political point of view, who normally is doing that? The right side people or the left side people? I don't know. I can't tell. Um, I guess I could watch the news and like every third story we see about violence from one side or the other. Uh, but I guess we all have to make up our own opinions on those kind of things. So that's kind of where I wanted to leave this, uh, this crime and punishment kind of a, a conversation. Uh, I wanted to talk about UFOs a little bit. And I think I'll talk about that in another episode. And the uh, James Webb uh, telescope, which is absolutely amazing if you like stars and stuff like I do. I also really wanted to get into uh, Representative Maya Flores from South Texas and all that. I think I'll get to that stuff in the next episode, plus whatever's going on in the world between now and then. So listen, uh, I really appreciate you being here. I had a great time here today. Uh, I hope you uh, got some things to think about. And remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. This is Lieutenant Joe signing off for Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. See you next time.